how music radio can teach podcasters a thing or two, or seven, on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and we're back. That's uh, <laughs> that's my uh, Jimmy Fallon impersonation of that wonderful skit that no broadcaster, radio, television, or podcaster especially should ever say that phrase when coming back from a commercial break. Uh, I was also told uh, in radio, especially, you don't brand the station heading into commercials because then you're reminding people that this, these call letters or this uh, motto of the station is associated with advertising, not music. You want to brand the station coming out of commercials, going into music. Maybe make you know, mm. do, do your slogan uh, as you're as you're heading into the latest you know, hit song from Dirks Bentley or whatever. Uh, I, I want to talk very briefly about a completely different topic, although it does have to do with audio, uh, Jay. I have, after many months of suffering, replaced my AirPods Ooh. that were lost to me. I think I, I think we accidentally trashed them. I, 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 left, I put them on the counter one night, and I think they got thrown away with some other things, and boom, they were gone. I never, never to be found again. Uh, but I replaced them now. Finally, with the AirPods Pro. And uh, first of all, I like the fact that, uh, like Lieutenant's Governor, <laughs> Attorney's General, <laughs> this is one of those rare cases where we get to put the plural in the wrong place. This is AirPods Pro is the official name of the of the uh, product. Um, I've, I've had them for not quite a week, but like, wow. First of all, the, the audio quality is significantly improved over the standard uh, AirPods or even the second-gen AirPods. But specifically, compared to other Bluetooth headsets and Bluetooth earbuds that are out there, I've been using a pair that I bought for my wife. I'd sort of stolen her pair. She's got a um, – they were Anchor uh, was the I can't remember what model they were, but Anchor was the the company that made them, uh, and I I got them on sale at Walmart for like thirty bucks one day or something. So I I bought this pair for her when my AirPods were lost. I'd commandeered hers, but boy, stepping from them back to the actual Apple, there's like everybody complains about how much Apple products cost. Me as well. These cost too darn much. The first generation cost too darn much. In fact, however, there's a reason they are able to command the premium. They really are a significantly better product. And the noise cancellation and the transparency mode that the new ones offer, it's really fantastic. So if you're like me and you end up taking in as much podcasting as I do during a given week, like just the podcasting alone, never mind the other things that I listen to, uh, it might be worth it, even though it is a ridiculously premium price. <laughs> um, it's it, You know what? They, they, they are... They are they're better. They're better than the other things that are on the market. Yeah. That's just that's just the case. So Period. anyway, yeah, kudos to Apple. I love them. I love them. Uh, the AirPods are awesome. Can I do an update on my 21st century problem? Please, uh, yes. I, you know, last week I announced that uh, my, my iPod Nano had finally kicked the bucket to the sky, and so I've been listening to podcasts uh, via my cell phone 
like most of you do, probably. Uh, and I've been using Spotify as my app of choice to, to listen to shows. I just want to say, it's interesting search results for, for podcasts. Some come up very easily. Some, like the new media show with Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee, it did not want to tell me that that show was available on Spotify. It is. I eventually found it, but it took a number of different searches. It took me, like, first I put in new media show, didn't show up. Put in new media show Todd Cochran, didn't show up. Put new media show Todd Cochran, Rob Greenlee, finally, I got, I got, a, I got a result out of the search wow. on the Spotify app. So it's interesting how, how search works. Now, conversely, there was another show that I was uh, listening to for work uh, called The Most Outstanding Podcast. All right? By the way, thought that was a brilliant name for a show. <laughs> it's a pretty good most, one. The Most Outstanding Podcast. Uh, on Apple, uh, it comes up in search rather quickly and rather easily. However, on Google, what you're going to get is a whole bunch of awards shows and uh, and different uh, award sites and, you know, the iHeart uh, Podcast Awards just came out. You're going to probably get that in the Google search. It took like four or five pages before I actually got to the podcast, and I'm literally typing in most outstanding podcast, and then I had to, again, add the host names and then it finally showed up on the first page of search. But man, weird how that search stuff works out there. Well, and it's it in those two cases particularly. Uh, I mean, it's obvious why comparing to Apple to Google, you would have the difference. And I wonder why Spotify. I will say part of that with Spotify, don't you imagine, is about the number of people who listen to a show within the Spotify app, the popularity of the given podcast, maybe, Perhaps. helping it surface in search. And, I mean, obviously, the folks that are listening to the new media show, it's like always listening. The vast majority of those people are not using Spotify to listen to it, and therefore, it's just not surfacing, I bet. I, I would imagine that might be the reason there. Still, interesting. How, generally, are you enjoying the Spotify experience? It does what I need it to do. There you go. Do you think that it's doing better with your battery than the podcast app directly? That I don't know. That I haven't tested yet. Uh, perhaps I should, you know, maybe give uh, give the old Apple a try and see uh, and see what my battery life is like using Apple instead of Spotify. I don't know. Um, I mean, I know if I downloaded a podcast. I'm sure my battery life would be better off. Mm. Um, however, I don't remember if we discussed this on the air. I had a problem with downloaded podcasts that really screwed up my my computer. Um, oh yes, I we didn't talk about that on air. You you had an issue where every podcast you'd ever downloaded basically was being stored somewhere on your computer, and like they weren't deleting properly, so your right. hard drive was filling up like really randomly and you weren't you didn't you weren't expecting this behavior so you were like where's all this space going right yeah so uh so i've stopped downloading podcasts and i'm just streaming them and i know that's gonna drive todd cochran and rob greenlee crazy because it's not <laughs> technically streaming it's, it's a progressive download right well but, all right uh, yeah so now anyway. that we've cleared out our our 21st century problems and our our 21st century praises this morning, uh, let's get to the actual things that we want to talk about today. Uh, we've got some really good topics, in particular, the seven deadly sins 
of non-strategic thinking. Now, this comes from Tuesdays with Coleman, fresh insights every Tuesday. And uh, as we mentioned in the title of today's show, this is based about music radio. So <laughs> don't don't fold your arms and say to yourself, none of that applies to me because I'm not music radio. We know. We know you're not music radio, friends. We know we're talking to podcasters. The point of this, though, is what can we take from this medium that in many ways is the the parent of ours. Uh, now, we've talked in the past about how we disagree that that podcasting is the birthright of, of right. radio, right, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no denying that we come from them. It's a relative, for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's on the Ancestry.com tree uh, that, we, that we signed up for once we did the cotton swab, folks. So what what, uh, what is this article telling us, Jay? Well, I think their title uh, perhaps uh, leads to a little bit more insight as to why we can take something like this and apply it to podcasting because it's about non-strategic and strategic thinking. And if you just take that part of the phrase and ignore the fact that the advice is being focused to a radio programmer uh, and specifically a music radio programmer, uh, you can really start to understand where some of this advice is coming from and how we can apply it to talk radio or podcasting, which is what we do. Uh, the, the seven, number seven, because it goes in descending order, which I like, uh, as soon as we did that, our numbers went up. This is a this is something that very commonly happens in radio in that they do something a little bit different and all of a sudden they they see this uh, great success. Um, I can use an example of something that I did on my particular podcast, the Next Fan Up show, the sports talk show that I host, the NFL show that I host with with my super fans. And I noticed, you know, we 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 we've dabbled in length here and there uh, for a while, and uh, a lot of the super fans themselves were complaining, you know, our show is too long. People, you know, some of my friends won't even download it because they just see that it's an hour and a half and they won't even touch it. And so we got into a, we tried something uh, towards the end of the season where uh, there was some breaking news that occurred and we weren't ready for it when we were preparing the show, but we talked about it and it ended up being like a half hour conversation. It made the show about two hours long. And we were like, you know what? Let's split that conversation out, have it as its own separate show, and then we can release our typical show later on. So it'll be, you know, our typical show will remain about the same length, and then we'll have this other shorter show that's just bonus content. And it was one of our worst performing shows that that we had seen numbers-wise in a while. As the playoffs, the NFL playoffs began, we went back not only to hour-and-a-half-long shows, we went back to what we used to do in the beginning, which were two-and-a-half-hour-long podcasts, literally talking about the playoffs and non-playoff teams and just having a two-and-a-half-hour football conversation. Our numbers went through the roof, Joel. They were the best-performing shows that we had done in quite some time. And I went, look at this. We just did something different, and our numbers went up. Needless to say, as I go back into my history and I look at 
the performance of my show, typically for any NFL show that I've ever worked with, the end of the season, you will almost always see a dip in your audience, no matter what, because it's the end of the football season and there are certain people that are listening to your show that aren't getting the value out of your show at that point of the season anymore because they are listening to it for fantasy advice, for gambling advice. They're just a fan of a team that's no longer going to compete. They're going to be out of it for the playoffs and the show will dip. And then when the playoffs begin, boom, the show will spike. Overall interest, mainstream interest, people start to come in. They're like, oh, well, what, a, what about these playoff teams? And that happens literally on any NFL show that I've ever worked on. So I don't think that me changing the length of my podcast really had much to do with the spike that I saw. Even though I literally just said, oh, we made a change and look at everybody's listening to the show again. Um no, it's probably because of the playoffs, not because of that length of show. So you need to be aware of everything that surrounds your show, the time of year that you're doing the podcast. Look at the history of your audience, listening audience over time. If you have a history, if you don't have a history, um, you're, you'll probably have a better idea than I do about sort of the flow of your audience listening habits throughout the course of a year yeah what what is the calendar for your niche you know I, for instance if you're a tech podcaster there's a slowdown right around right before the holiday season and then it's dead basically the whole month of january until you get to ces and then there's like a boom of information as all the tech companies are trying to show off their new stuff but you got a few weeks where things are just silent here's something that i've discovered jay the australian market the entire Australian market basically takes a holiday in January. <laughs> mm. It's it's the combination of Christmas and the fact that they're going through the middle of the hottest part of the summer. So like right. everybody vacations, everybody goes and sees mom and dad, everybody takes some time off from school, everybody takes their, you know, like whatever whatever they're doing, maybe they just stay inside and try to stay cool. Whatever it is, they don't work. They don't do much work in January. Uh and and that is something that I've understood with my own clients from there. So like that's not a that's not a high push time for them and it's not a high push time for their market. They're not missing anything by not serving their their folks during that time. So you're right. You have to understand the own rhythms and syncopations of your industry or your medium or your or your niche before you apply whatever happened in your last week for instance jay we did we did pretty good downloads on the episode where we talked all about uh star wars but like that we should not do a weekly star wars break no. on always listening that is not the fact that we have enough uh correlation between our audience of nerds about podcasters and people who saw star wars by that point and wanted to maybe hear us talk about it or downloaded it accidentally and then didn't listen to it maybe that's the other thing right anyway don't get too high on your own supply the numbers are interesting but don't read them short term and just to pull back the curtain everyone joel is actually wearing a star wars t-shirt today i I'm also wearing a Star Wars t-shirt today. It's the most Eisley Come Visit Us uh, Taurus t-shirt. Yeah, uh, yours, so, is, yeah. yours is way nicer than mine. I was. It's funny. <laughs> I was going to make reference to it earlier. It, honestly, you could make pretty good money betting weekly the over-under on two of us wearing 
Star Wars shirts during a recording. Like, first of all, we've each got a lot of Star Wars T-shirts. Yes, we do. We, we both work from home, so guess what? We only wear T-shirts. Yep, pretty much. It's funny, my wife mentioned that we were invited to a black tie gala, and uh, and I was like, we don't own anything black tie. I know I don't. And she's like, yeah, I don't own anything either. I was like, well, I guess we're not going. We don't, we're not buying anything black tie at this point. We're both losing weight. We don't want to buy anything now. You're going to have to jump on Rent the Runway or something like that. Uh, all right. So so what about uh, number six? But it tested one, great in our music test. <laughs> this is great. This, this one I just love. Uh, simply for the example, if Stairway to Heaven tests great for an urban station, should the station play it? Should an AC station play Sweet Child of Mine if it tests well? Uh, I, I love that. Because just because you did, and, and this goes to our Star Wars that we just brought up, just because we did a Star Wars show and it did really great doesn't mean that this should be a Star Wars-centric podcast. That's not the audience that we're looking to serve. That was self-service for us, that we we were like, you know, there's not a lot going on. We both love Star Wars. We both saw the movie. We both want to talk about it, and we both want to share our experiences with everyone Let's just do this one-off podcast. It's called Always Listening. So, hey, if you want, if you like it, great. If you don't, it doesn't matter. It's no skin. It's no skin off the nose. I think that's exactly the point here. Just because it did well doesn't mean you should do it all the time. Um, it, just because it's something that happens to be out of your niche doesn't mean you should incorporate that every single time into your podcast. Sometimes your audience will appreciate that curveball. If it doesn't come very frequently, because the curveball will actually surprise your audience, which is something you should do quite often in your show to keep them excited about the content that you're producing on however often a basis that you are. But don't do it all the time. Yeah, don't forget. Don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't forget who you are, or what you're doing, or the audience that you're serving just because an interesting thing occurred in the middle of it. That is absolutely Hey, and you see this happen with with radio stations all the time, I feel like. They'll they'll hit one little interesting thing and there'll be some excitement on their Facebook page. There'll be some excitement at a live event or something and then suddenly they're like, "You know what? Format change." And in 6 months, or a year, they're right back to the old format, aren't they? Mm -hmm. uh, because I sometimes I think that itself is the publicity play. They're like, let's switch our format for six months and piss everybody off <laughs> so that we can go back to original Coke and everybody will love us again. <laughs> there's a group of, to relate it back to music radio, there's a group of music DJs, rock DJs in Connecticut that started on one station they went to another station because they did a format change and then ended up on another station because that station did a format change. But they've always stayed pretty much together as like a group, the morning show, the afternoon show, the midday show. They all moved to each station as the formats got changed. And it's really funny that it's like just that one core group is the is, are the only rocks rockers in Connecticut. Right. It, it's actually kind of annoying, but at the same time, it is it is a testament to their success um, and what they do. So uh, that's a good one. Uh, the morning show is gaining traction. I can feel it. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. This one. So this one 
doesn't re- the the explanation to this one in the blog post doesn't really go into this, but to relate it to podcasters, don't ignore your numbers. All right, just because you feel it doesn't mean that that feeling is true. It could be very much something that's lying to you. Don't ignore the hard, cold facts of what your numbers are telling you because your numbers tell you a lot. Uh, so don't just do something because you feel it's it's going it's going well. It's it's doing well. If your numbers are going down and you feel like they're going to turn around, yeah. Yeah, I, I got some bad news for you, my friend. Well, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right on all of that. The the other thing, though, that I'll say is this. I see so many, you know, we we you and I joke a lot on this show about Facebook groups being annoying. But I see one of the reasons why sometimes they are sort of like befuddling for people that are at the stage that you and I are is because we see so many starting podcasters, people who haven't maybe haven't even produced their first show yet, or they've produced their first show and they've been out there for two or three weeks and they make some post like, my content is so good, but my family and friends don't even download it or whatever. How do we go, you know, blah, 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 blah. (sighs) My thing is this, you have to give it time. You have to. The last line of this section is my favorite. Shows take time to develop. And the true measure of whether or not a show is gaining traction will take at least a year or two. Even the best content in the world takes months to develop a presence online that will draw the attention of Google and and bubble up enough so that normal people are going to find your stuff. That's... Your friends and family are not the army on which you're going to build a uh, independent lifestyle, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you're not, that's not, this is not multi-level marketing. <laughs> it's not, it's not fast growth. It's not. Um, and so even if you are doing a great show and, and Jay's right, if you're continuing to bang your head against the wall and the numbers are going down, not up over time, Something is amiss in your format. Something is amiss in your delivery. Something's amiss in your entire premise, maybe. Let's reassess fundamental principles, you know? But if you do have week to week, five, 10, 100 new listeners, you know, on and on and on, and the numbers continue to go up, take that as the win. Remind yourself how we all, you know, you hear this over and over again. If these, if this number of people showed up to listen to you give a speech or a lecture in a college classroom every week, would you be nervous to speak to them? If that's true, then you're doing very, very well. Think about it in in physical presences, not just in downloads. Um, you know, uh, give them personalities uh, and and think about it in that term, and then and then you can hang on the growth. But it is a slow, long-term game. I would like to add, and I've said this before, you have to be your own worst critic when you're talking about good versus great content. You might have good content, but is it great? I mean, really great. And you have to be really honest with yourself uh, as to whether what you're doing is really great or is it just kind of good? Because you can have good content and that's perfectly okay but as we've learned from AT&T okay is not okay you you have to be truly honest with yourself as to whether you're really giving your audience great content 
And quite honestly, you know, there are times, there's probably already stuff in the last 20 minutes that we've recorded. And I'd be like, you know, that was good. But was it great? I don't know. So. Uh, number four, the ratings went down, so we made some music adjustments. Um, I, I love this. You should generally not make any programming decisions whether in regards to music or talent, based on one ratings period. Boy, that is true about your show. We just talked about the numbers matter, but they matter in a long scale. They matter in trends, not in specifics. You never fire the morning show guy for one Friday morning, right? Well, I mean, unless he drops four F-bombs, maybe. (laughs) Right. But Besides I mean, to say a few inappropriate things. Yeah, he says the management are a bunch of a-holes, I guess. Maybe maybe you do fire him for one Friday morning. But just because he had an off morning, you don't, you don't throw the guy out. What you do is you look at trends over time. Is the show declining? Is the quality of the show declining? Is the audience declining in number? Uh, and that's the same thing for your podcast, too. Like, if you have one bad... Okay, so if that Star Wars episode had been a washout... Uh, or if it had had a thousand downloads, you know, twice the number of our normal downloads, again, we still wouldn't have reacted to it in the short term. That is a that is a one week thing. Now, if every time we mention Star Wars, <laughs> we, we got, got a penny, we we'd got, be rich men. We got twice, uh, you know, twice the downloads. We got some big bump every time Star Wars was in the title. Then maybe Jay and I would give serious consideration to whether our audience is truly a Star Wars audience rather than a podcast audience, and we might put more focus into some third show than his next fan up and 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 our always listening. That's not going to happen. But I'm saying like, but that's if a Drew Ackerman trend. came back and sponsored the show and yeah, said, exactly. "Talk nothing but Star Wars." Talk, talk nothing but Star Wars, but. It, <laughs> But you you look at that for long term trends. We don't do we don't do that no matter what the numbers are. We don't do that based off one week or one experience. Uh, number three, we just play the hits. That's what I was taught, uh, and and they relate this back to what they were talking about uh, a few points ago. Yeah, you want to play the best songs, but you want to play the right best songs, and that mm. includes your content. That when I say songs, substitute songs for your content. Uh, this is a great line too, because I hear this all the time from a lot of people that I've worked with over the years hits for who, and that should always be, uh, what you're doing. Think of your audience and why are you doing something? I, I met, I also say the why game. This is something that I tell podcasters to do all the time. Play the why game. Why are you writing that title the way that you are? Why are you writing that show description the way that you are? Why are you starting the show the way that you are? Why are you saying this? Why are you saying that? The more times you keep saying why and you keep answering the question and the answer isn't the answer that you should be giving, then you need to change what you're doing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I kind of feel like that goes hand in hand with number two, though. Uh, My wife, daughter, brother doesn't like it. Um, Boy. Boy. Boy, boy. That's, again, well, let's go back to the Facebook posts. So many times Facebook posts start with, we've been doing the podcast for six months, and my friends all think it's hilarious. <laughs> well, well, boy, that is a that is a self-selected uh, group of researchers there, isn't it? By the um, way, if I didn't do the things that my wife doesn't like, I wouldn't be <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> I Well, you just listen. As it says, organic feedback is great. It is awesome to get emails. It is awesome to get messages, to get info from people uh, about what they like, what they don't like, what's working, what's not working, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like you can't 
just ask the people that you are actually interacting with. Those are not, that's not representative of your audience. It's representative of your life. Right. right? Yep. You have to, and, and the advice that you're going to get, you want to make sure that it's constrictive. It's constructive. I almost said constrictive. You don't want it to be constrictive. You actually want it to be constructive. You want it to be wide open and you want it to be something that you can work off of. Um, you know, while my, I will use me as the example here. And again, my wife doesn't like when I podcast. She thinks that uh, it's taking up too much of our family time, taking too much time away from the family. I should be spending more time with her and the kids. And I do spend a lot of time with her and the kids. And I often throw that back at her when we get into these arguments. I spend lots of time with you. Come on. At the end of the day, I have to listen to what she does say about my show that is constructive, you know. I'm going way too personal here. But in any case, just make sure that any sort of advice, any sort of criticism that you get from anyone, you always take it with a grain of salt, whether it's positive or negative, and and take what they're saying and apply it the right way to creating your content. Yes. The real downside of this is that there is not a – well, there's two downsides, I think, in, in general for creatives. The first is that there is not – a good way to get a true focus group response to your show until you have fairly large numbers. And at that point, you've probably already learned a lot of lessons just by trial and error. Uh, and a lot of the things that your audience is going to tell you, you, you already know, or you're already headed in that direction. The other thing is, um, you know, that, uh, what, what I think this was Alex Bloomberg that talked about this once upon a time, when we decide to become a creative, especially like when we jump off and decide to begin creating podcasting, one of the reasons for most of us anyway is because we're in love with the medium. We've been listening to lots of great podcasts and thought, hey, wait, I would like to do this myself. But our critical ear exceeds our critical ability to create in the beginning, right? What you know is good, your ability to understand what's good or bad is is far ahead of your actual ability to create. You're, you're still making baby steps. But, like, that's okay. That's true for writers, too. When you begin as an author, the you got a lot of crap to write before you can write any good stuff, man. Like, that's uh, that's just true. You know, the, we okay, we're talking about music here. Tons of artists, Jay. Their first album is their best album. You know why? Because they were writing that first album for 10 years on the road before they right. ever hit to, to make it to a major record label. And then the major record label says, excellent, write a new one do in it again. six months. <laughs> yeah, do it again in six months. And then from then on, they have to do it again and again and again, once a year at least, effectively. I mean, this was the reason why Prince wanted, one of the reasons why he wanted to take control of his own ownership, because he didn't want to be under that kind. He's like... You let the muse lead, man, and you make an album when when you make an album, you know? Anyway, that's true for podcasters, too. We're under that constant, we, we, we're supposed to release every week or every two weeks or every month or whatever it is, and in the beginning, we're just not capable of producing that much good content that regularly, frankly. you got to get out a lot of crap before you can make the good audio. So know that uh, and, and understand that you're friends are not going to have that same critical ear that you do and that they're not long-term going to be representative of what your real audience is either. This last one's my favorite. It's the number one deadly sin. 
Of course the audience knows that. Oh, mm. never, ever, ever assume anything. We all know what assume stands for, right? It makes an ass out of you and me. Uh, so you can never assume that. On top of that, any time that you put out a new piece of content is the opportunity for a new listener to be listening to your show. And not only is it anytime you put out new content, anytime that you put out a podcast, you have an opportunity for a new listener to discover your show at any point in time. So you cannot assume that your audience knows anything that you're saying that you can't assume that your audience knows who you are. You can't assume that your audience knows what your podcast is about. You can't assume that your audience is going to understand the journey that you're going to take them on the story that you're going to tell in the content that you are presenting. Never, ever assume you always have to, if you're going to assume anything, you have to assume that they know nothing mm. and you, and you have to, and you have to create your content to the listener that knows the least about your content. Now, that being said, there are certain ways to play to your existing audience. Uh, we've mentioned this before about the old place that I used to work at, the Four Letter Network and the Fantasy Focus podcast. The Fantasy Focus podcast had a lot of inside jokes. A lot of them I think you could get from the context of the, of the content that was being talked about. But if you didn't, we created a, a website that literally had a listing of all of our jokes. It was like a dictionary. All of the inside jokes were listed alphabetically, and you could go through and you could read it, and you could catch up rather quickly as to what did Pod Vader mean? Uh, what does put it on the board mean? What were all of these different things that were being talked about in the podcast? What do these mean? Because I'm a new listener. I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. Uh, what the heck is a fantasy zombie? I have no idea what it is that you're talking about. All of that was listed on a website so that you could catch up. Uh, any new listener could go and, and simply read it so they could catch up. So there are ways that you can still create content for an existing audience, a very loyal audience that's been with you from the beginning, but never assume that everyone knows exactly what it is that you're doing. Yes, Yes. The one that burns me up the worst in Radio J about this is uh, sports announcers that fail to give the score. Oh, yes. You have to give the score constantly in radio if you're an announcer because people are jumping on all the time and they're jumping off and they're jumping on and all they want to know, <laughs> Mr. Announcer Man, is who's ahead and by how much. That's all they want to know. Uh, thank God, I will say this, in, in many modern uh, radio formats, definitely with satellite radio, they do it. But even, I believe, with the, um, I, I can't remember what it's called, but the radio data that you can get in modern radios where you know it shows the oh, station name. Well, not even HD radio. There's like a thing for regular radio stations where they can transmit the station name data and song title data and things like that. Anyway, part of that, I believe, there's an API where you can do sports scores too. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Correct me in the comments if, if that's not the case. But I think even regular radio stations can do it. Most of them don't, but they could. Definitely with HD radio, you could. Um, but we don't have to do that specific thing. So the constant resetting of radio no. where you have people jumping on all the time, that's the one thing we don't have to do with podcasts. But every episode is somebody's first episode. And that we do need to take into account. We can't 
waste 15 minutes at the beginning of every episode retelling our origin story because then continuing listeners are going to be offended. So it's a it's a compromise, but you have to understand when you do make those in-jokes, when you do go into segments, every now and again, maybe it's not every episode, but every few episodes, give a brief reminder of where this comes from or what we're talking about or frame it just a little bit for people. Make sure your show notes are concise and clear and link out to parts of your website where people can learn what's going on with who, who these people are and what the show is about and where did it come from and what do these segments mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Joel, uh, remind me, when you're first starting a podcast, um, what is one of the first things that you should do when you're creating your RSS feed? What is there a, is there like an introductory episode? Mm. Do people, do people recommend that? So the teaser episode is a big way to take care of this. You're absolutely right. Uh, here's the thing that people don't do enough and we haven't done, for instance, we should update have, it. Yeah. Update it over time. Update it over time. Apple will let you, Apple promotes that forever. So whatever is there is our te- I don't, I don't know if always listening even has a teaser episode actually, because we have so I, many, back I know catalog I never episodes. recorded, one but it would, but it would be nice if you and I had a little minute and a half trailer of some sort that explains to people what the heck this is and, and why they might want to get into it and how yep. often they can expect it. For instance, and you can put all your, you know, your inside stuff, because when you first started, you thought the show was going to be one thing. And I'm sure over time that one thing evolved because your audience gave you insights as to the content that they wanted. And you started creating the content more and more towards the feedback that you were getting straight from your audience. So over time, things probably changed for you. You thought you were going on one path and you ended up going on a slightly different path so update it update it however often you feel is necessary i don't think there's a specific time length but i mean maybe every six months revisit it be like is this still is this still you know represent what my show is about or do i need to to make it a little bit different and be like, ah, that's not quite, that's not quite right. We, we sort of went a different way with this. Let's update this. Uh, the, the teaser episode I think is huge to updating. And of course you have a website that should be constantly updated. So, uh, that's, that's another aspect, especially if you have the website, if you don't have the website, obviously you're strapped with that, but that would be a pro as to why you have a website with your podcast. Well, at least a landing page. If you, if you get a, a dot com, and you can create a landing page. Maybe that landing page is just your Facebook group or your Facebook page, right? Maybe it is a website directly. But whatever it is, if you have a place where you drive content from your show, in your show links, but also you say it out loud in your show, you put it in your uh, you know, teasers that you put on YouTube or you put it into your social media posts, that, that landing page then can have updated information on an ongoing basis that shows people how they can onboard to your show. It, it explains what it's about. It explains who it's for. It explains what the gags are, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so all of that, it explains how they can support you. That's one of the things you can sort of like, again, you want to unwrap them to the whole thing. You want to make it easy as possible. Website does that. As a matter of fact, I just got a buzz this morning, Jay, uh, as we record this, apparently my website is down. I've got some homework to do once we get off Ooh. the air here. Yeah, I know. Mm. So let's move to the second story. Um, 
I think I misunderstood this. It is it is about music, uh, but I, I misunderstood this when we first um, said we were going to put this in. The headline from Rain News, Billboard will include YouTube licensed views in its album chart math in 2020. I did not realize, Jay, YouTube, statistic, uh, YouTube statistics in song-specific charts, such as the Hot 100, have been incorporated since February 2013. It's interesting, and I think this is I, – I've put this in again. This is another – if this is happening in music, it's not that far off that it could perhaps happen in podcasting. Mm. Now, I, I wonder how we could, as, as an industry, accept the accounting from YouTube to incorporate into our podcasting stats, but we've learned – uh, from Tom Webster and the folks at Edison Research and from others, that YouTube is a place that people are discovering podcasting. It's one of the first places that they're discovering podcasting. That is an actual listener to your content it happens to be on another platform that statistics are not accounted for. You can't take your YouTube statistics and go to an advertiser and say, Hey, I got this much. Uh, I get this much views on my on my YouTube channel. Uh, I'd like you to pay me that CPM that you're paying me on the podcast. The advertiser will laugh in your face. They're not going to. They're not going to accept your YouTube views. So, how do we incorporate YouTube into podcast listening? I don't think that's an easy answer. I think there's going to be uh, much discussion, if ever. Uh, somebody decides to really push this as sort of like, hey, a majority of my audience is coming from YouTube. Uh, I need to start monetizing that audience that's finding me on that platform. And to be fair, Jay, this is not just YouTube. This is incorporating all officially licensed video streams from Apple, from Spotify, from Tidal, from Vivo, which of, of course is a sort of like a subsidiary of YouTube. It's a it's a specific channels or whatever through YouTube. But the anyway, all of these video views are going to be incorporated into the charts. I think I'll say this. I believe that this was a push from the music industry. Oh, of course, because right? the YouTube views are enormous to for raise music. their numbers and to continue to, uh, you know, prop up their relevance among the other uh, media. However, this final paragraph for me is the thing that might make this interesting. And I could see maybe a push in podcasting for a similar accounting. Uh, the quote comes from uh, YouTube global head of music, Lior Cohen. Genres like Latin, hip-hop, and electronic, which consistently dominate the YouTube charts, will now be properly recognized for their popularity. Those three in particular, I think, are, are generally sort of considered um, among music sales to be country dominates, right? In America, at least, country dominates still, which is weird when we think about the popularity of hip-hop. And I think one of the reasons is because those three genres especially have a younger fan base, and that younger fan base has moved to new mediums. They're, they're watching their music. They're listening to it through YouTube even when they're not actually paying attention to the screens. Or now we know there are also there's the YouTube Music app and, and YouTube Red and things where you can actively turn your screen off while still taking in the audio. Again, I think it makes sense, and I could see potentially genres of podcasting, categories of podcasts that feel like, hey, 
<laughs> we're over here starving because you guys don't see that we're blowing up on YouTube. Yeah, I think um, I think that's super important, and it's it's. I, I just I'm. We've already talked about the IAB uh, a few times. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, I recommend you go back to our archives because we've talked about measurement and podcasting for quite some time, uh, and using utilizing the wonderful analogy of the pizza store, and you know right now the podcast hosts that are out there are all still arguing about IAB relevance and becoming compliant and becoming uh, certified. YouTube is not part of that conversation. They're not even close to being part of that conversation. And who knows, you know, if somebody clicks on a video, how long they, YouTube knows, but is YouTube going to share that information with everyone? I think YouTube is probably not going to be as forthcoming with all of that background information as we want. And the privacy conversation gets involved in all of this. Um, that's been going on lately in the Facebook groups and how uh, podcasting isn't an opt-in um, media. I just, I, it's something that I can see coming for sure. And I just don't – I don't have the answer. Someone smarter than me will have to figure out the answers of how do we make the metrics work and be relevant and be real. And I think the real part is the part that people have been struggling with for quite some time. Very much so. Very much so. Jay, let's move to our next story. This one's very interesting to me, and it is uh, – it's feeling like deja vu because this time last year – you and I started this show, or our, our version of this show, because uh, there were rumors, or not because, but but during the time that the rumors were bubbling, that Spotify was looking to spend some money on podcasting. Well, they spent a lot of money. Uh, they, they spent some on Gimlet, $230 million. That was in February of last year. They bought Anchor for another $114 million that month. And then they bought Parcast for $56 million in March. Looks like Spotify might have their wallet back out again. Who, who are they looking for this time, Jay? Well, there had been rumors that Spotify was getting ready to produce daily sports podcasts, uh, which obviously is an interesting story to me as a executive producer of a network that produces daily sports podcasts. And now there's rumors that Spotify is looking to acquire a sports broadcaster in The Ringer. Now, The Ringer by Bill Simmons is more than just sports. It's also uh, has some pop culture things. What's interesting about this story and the rumors behind it is kind of similar to Gimlet. And I only, and I can only say it's similar to Gimlet in retrospect, thanks to the uh, startup episodes that came out. And we learned of uh, all of the things that Gimlet were, uh, were battling with battling, maybe the wrong verb, but that were working through uh, during their acquisition period here with Spotify. And The Ringer is sort of similar. Bill Simmons is very um, protective of his talent that he brings on. Uh, he was very protective of them with Grantland back in the ESPN days, and he was very upset when, they, when ESPN decided to shutter Grantland and all of those writers were scattered to the world, or many of them were scattered to the world. Many of them ended up with Bill again on The Ringer. Uh, so it's interesting to see that he would sell his uh, his outlet 
to Spotify, especially knowing that Spotify is an audio company and the ringer, while they make a majority of their revenue, $15 million, by the way, uh, through podcasting, they do have a website component. And there are many writers that are part of that component that don't do or have any uh, audio link at all. Would Spotify keep the writers around? And my guess would be no. That is not part of Spotify's business. It's not anything that Spotify wants to get involved with. My guess is Spotify would probably just jettison uh, the writing portion. And I don't know if Bill will be up for that. I guess a lot would depend on the paycheck that he gets from selling the company. And, you know, rumors say that it's probably going to be less than what Gimlet, what they acquired Gimlet for. And my guess is Bill... I mean, I mean, I'm not best friends with Bill Simmons, but I've worked right. with Bill Simmons. I know who he is. I feel like he's not going to go for that. He's not going to have all of these guys get scattered to the wind again, the same way that happened with Grantland. Well, if you just if you just look at the way that he structured his deal with HBO when they did the TV show, right? We all f- assumed that the whole Ringer operation would just get swallowed up into Warner Brothers, or I did at least. And when it didn't, it was clear that he had specifically protected himself from the same thing that happened with ESPN. That if if the TV show didn't go or they didn't like what, you know, or they wanted to focus only on that, they would just throw the rest of his guys away and he didn't want that to happen again. Um, I think it's interesting. I think this is even more interesting in light of what we see happening or seem to be see happening, seem to see happening with Gimlet in that Alex Bloomberg seems to be pulling away a little <laughs> bit, right? As other members of the Gimlet family are absorbed into the Spotify corporate structure, and it seems like okay, we see what parts were acquihires and we see what parts were acquisitions, and now they're going to take their paychecks and go do other creative things. I I could see a possibility where Bill says, hey, I would like a big fat paycheck because then I could take the part of the company that you don't want and set it up really solidly for the future and do whatever I want in the print world for a long, long time while also continuing to take your checks over here and doing my audio in-house. I mean, I could see him separating the two pieces. It would slightly weaken, I think, the... Uh, print stuff, since obviously that is the right. weaker side. The web and print is the weaker side of the ringer right now. But at the same time, it could allow it, especially with with a giant, you know, uh, uh, check from from a corporation that's not you. You could sort of set it up in a way that okay, I don't have to worry about whether that makes any money for like fifteen or twenty years. You know, we can experiment and try different models, and I can protect my guys and or, or my people. And I can write when I want to without any corporate overhead. I could see a scenario where they do that. Um, if I was Bill, I, I would probably be angling for that exact thing. Um, I want my freedom, but I also want your paycheck. To add to that, Bill is a guy that does not want to be told what to do. And there's nothing he enjoys more than the podcast. That goes without saying. So if he does sell... <laughs> If he does sell to Spotify, he has to understand that Spotify is now the boss and they own his content, which is something that he will struggle with if there happens to be a struggle. My guess is there wouldn't be 
initially, uh, Spotify is not going to want to change anything because it's making money. It's very successful. They can promote the heck out of it. But at some point, because it happens all the time, and Bill knows this better than anyone, somebody else is going to come into power and they're not going to like what Bill Simmons is doing. And they're going to have the final word and Bill's going to have to take his ball and go home again. And so that's something that he's going to have to consider. Now, whether or not that happens immediately or not, again, the size of the check is certainly going to go a long ways to making that decision to rule out those pros and cons. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a very interesting story, if only because of the person that's involved. If this was SB Nation, if this was Vox, if this was Warner, um, this wouldn't be as interesting a story. This would it'd be interesting in that the Ringer's acquiring a sports outlet uh, to ramp up their sports content, but. To me, acquiring the ringer is a completely different situation than those other corporations. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. The The parallel that I find in my head, potentially, and this is one of those things where I feel like maybe Bill could be happy there. What if he emulates what Howard has done, what Howard Stern has done with XM? You know, you, you, I mean, Howard was another one that was constantly had issues with his corporate overlords, uh, not only for censorship issues, but specifically because he would speak out against the corporations, uh, and, and say things about management that they didn't like. Bill has been known to do that at ESPN, especially he got fined and suspended countless times. I mean, what if Spotify said, Hey, we like that. We are a new media company, and even even when and if you rub up against us and you and you poke fun at us, um, you know we're we're gonna look the other way and we're gonna and we're gonna enjoy that. I could see them and literally pointing to Howard Stern and saying, "This is the same deal that he would have made if it was fifteen years later, you know, or twenty years later." The difference is Howard Stern is serious, right? Ser- the, seri- the only reason why Sirius makes any money is because of Howard Stern. Yeah, if sure. Howard. If Howard Stern were to leave Sirius XM, Sirius XM would be in some serious financial trouble because uh, it, it's it's a ridiculous amount of people that are subscribers to Sirius XM only because of Howard Stern. Uh, that would not be the case with Bill Simmons and Spotify. They're, Bill Simmons is going to bring a sizable audience and he's going to bring a sizable amount of revenue, $15 million, Uh that's not a small chunk of change, but in the realm of Spotify, $15 million is, you know, it's their pocket change. Yeah. 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 I suppose you're right on that. It, it, there obviously is a, a difference of uh, the scale of the, um, of the import, but still I could see a similar relationship building there. And especially if, like we said, he could separate out the writing stuff and protect that part of the company. I, I could see a path where this that could part work. I can see that what you described earlier was something I didn't think of, and that that a hundred percent would make a hundred percent sense. I'm I'm fascinated by this. Uh, I am absolutely fascinated by this. It's interesting. Here we are at the top of the year. I mean, what is it about? Uh, what is it about the winter in uh, Norway that makes uh, these folks want to spend so much money? Oh, don't they come it's exactly Norway? that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's exa- it's exactly that. It's winter in Norway. We have we to can't, we have to we burn can't these leave dollars. Our <laughs> we can't leave our house. <laughs> We're snowed in. Oh goodness! Hello. All right, let's talk about stats, uh, Jay. Woo. 
Um, so we we mentioned last week we're going to have a new segment where every week we're going to bring you the My Podcast Reviews, podcast industry statistics from Apple Podcasts. Uh, this is courtesy of Daniel J. Lewis. However, on a regular basis, about once a month or so, uh, Rob Walsh from Libsyn gives some updates in the feed, their uh, uh, audio podcast, which is a great podcast, by the way, especially if you host with Libsyn. But even if you don't, they've got a, they cover a lot of industry trends. They talk about things that their corporation is doing. Um, it's a good conversation. Elsie Escobar and Rob Walsh are, uh, are good folks to listen to on a regular basis. I think they do it fortnightly, right? It's every two weeks they put out their episodes. Yes. And because we don't want to assume that you know, Libsyn is the number one hosting platform in the industry. They have the most shows hosted, uh, most active shows. Let's let's put that out there just in case Anchor decides to throw down <laughs> their gauntlet on that phrase. They have the most active shows uh, available on the internet. And while it's clear, while their stats clearly are only representative of Libsyn podcasts, it's a large enough sample size that I think, because they are number one, that you can take these numbers and you can apply them to every podcast that exists out there. Uh, yes, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you can extrapolate. So, so here's we're saying the numbers are important, and we're showing you the context for the numbers to say these are numbers we can trust and extrapolate out to the industry at large uh, with a, with a little bit of wiggle room there. So uh, for uh, these are shows released in November. Okay, seven percent of all Libsyn downloads released in November were in the five thousand range or greater. Seven percent of 7%. all Libsyn shows. Just 7%. Yeah. Not 97%. Only 7%. So again, those those Facebook posts that we were talking about earlier in the show where you're like, I've been doing this for six weeks and nobody's listening. Listen to these numbers and then tell me whether truly nobody is listening. Okay? Uh, if your show is getting more than 130 downloads, that's per episode after 30 days of release, you're better than half the shows out there. 130, not 130,000, Joel? Nope, nope. Not, not 1,300? Not 1.3 million. No, 130 individual downloads. 130? But again, first of all, we have to go back to how many podcasts are there. There's 800,000 and change. We're going to give you that exact number in a minute. But But when you think about the massive content that is out there, if 130 people showed up every week to listen to you give a lecture in a college classroom... Would you be nervous when you stood up to speak with them? Would you be excited to come back next week? Would you work hard on researching and preparing so that you would have interesting information to bring to them? I would, Jay. I would. Here's the I'm other not. thing, too. If I don't I, get nervous about this. <laughs> if I had 130 people showing up every week to hear me speak about a topic, I think long term I could find something to do with that to make it make me a little money. Honestly, even at that small number, yep. it, you don't have to have a million. And we're not talking about replacing your day job either. But that means no. you're better than half the podcasts out there, okay? 130 per, per episode after 30 days, you're better than half the shows. If you get more than 1,100 downloads per show in 30 days, you're better than 80% of the shows. If you're That's at, crazy. If you're at 3,300, <laughs> you're better than 90% of the shows. Let me rephrase that. That means 10% of all shows are more downloaded than 3,300 times per episode. 
Yeah. All right. That means so roughly only 80, 10%. About 80,000 shows total <laughs> hit that number. That's it. Period. And that's not the number, by the way, where advertisers get interested. That's that 5,000 no. 5, per that we talked about earlier. So uh, if you get more than 7,700 downloads, you're better than 95% of shows. So, again, we're talking about all those celebrities that you see on the Apple Podcast directory. Most of them are getting somewhere between five and 10,000 downloads per episode at the most. Only 5% of shows are higher than 7,700. And you mentioned that 5,000 number. So you can, I mean, we're going to round here. We're going to make a big round here. Uh, you're talking about 5% of podcasts are interesting to advertisers. Well, 5%. It, maybe, let's go ahead and be generous and say 7%. You know, Rob says that 7% of Libsyn downloads in November reached the 5,000 range or greater. But but still, sure. That's such a small. That's that's that's. It's puny. Nothing. It's minuscule. Thirty five thousand downloads or more that puts you in the highest one percent. So again, we're talking about and Dan by the Carlin way, and Mark Marin, and uh, This American Life. Five percent makes you interesting to a podcast uh, to an advertiser. Thirty five thousand makes you a regular customer of an advertiser 5,000 just gets you interest doesn't necessarily bring them back uh it all depends on their return of investment if they see that oh i advertised on this 5,000 per episode show and i'm getting return customers and i'm starting to build a bigger clientele for being on this particular show now i'm going to come back to you but most more than likely, they ain't coming back to you at five thousand. You've just generated the interest at thirty-five thousand. They're definitely coming back to you each and every week, each and every month, however long their contract lasts. Uh, so just take that into account. So really, we're talking about only one percent. The top one percent of podcasters are making real quit-your-day-job money from advertising. Uh, so let's move over to the My Podcast Reviews info. This is data courtesy of My Podcast Reviews service by Daniel J. Lewis. Thanks, Daniel. Link is in the show notes if you'd like to check it out for yourself. Uh, how many total podcasts are available in the Apple Podcast directory? These uh, totals reflect valid podcasts and their included episodes in Apple Podcasts. There have been many, many more podcasts and episodes, but they are not all still available through valid feeds. So these are active feeds, 853,403 total valid podcasts in the Apple Podcast directory today. And that adds up to a total of 28,611,742 total episodes available in feeds. Boy, that's, that's a big number. What I find most interesting about my podcast reviews is the graph that he shows of the last seven days. So we did our show in the last seven days, and we noted that there were a lot more additions than subtractions. However, this week, well, there still is a lot more additions than subtractions, but there were only additions on two days in the past seven days. There were subtractions on six of the last seven days. So, uh, apparently, Saturday, uh, Apple took a break from everything. <laughs> there was no activity. There were no changes whatsoever in uh, any of the uh, podcast episodes or feeds on Saturday. But uh, there have been subtractions uh, over 600 podcasts in the last two days uh, specifically 675 uh, have been subtracted over the last two days. Uh, so 
that that's that's the battle we face as we try to get to one million podcasts. The thing that gets me, Jay, you, you look at this chart Wednesday and Friday, the the sixteenth and the uh, yeah, or excuse me, the fifteenth and the seventeenth of January. 5,000 and change shows added on the 15th and 3,000 and change added on the 17th. Um, you got to assume some of that is the backlog folks that weren't ready for uh, New Year's and things like that. But why in the middle of the week like that? It's so interesting. Uh, I mean, we do see Tuesdays and Wednesdays as very popular days to launch shows and very popular days to launch episodes, period. But, but wow, that's a dominant uh, slant to a couple of days in a week. It just makes you wonder what the heck was going on behind the scenes. Last Tuesday was a big subtraction day as well. So I'll be curious to see how, uh, how this week will stack up to what we see uh, from the previous week. But uh, as, as we said, this will be a regular segment on the show. So we'll be keeping track. Thank you, Daniel J. Lewis. Jay, if somebody is listening to this show and they say, you know, I am a uh, sports podcaster and I'd like to learn from somebody uh, like Pod Vader, I'd like to get access to some of the things that he's doing, how would they get in touch with you? Especially if you're doing a college sports podcast, uh, we are expanding our college sports coverage on the Locked On Podcast Network. So you can reach out to me via email, podvader at lockedonpodcast.com, or I am available on Twitter at the real pod vader my dms are open i will gladly talk with you especially if you are one of the unfortunate few uh that were laid off recently by iHeartRadio. uh you have talents and uh we have openings i i can't believe that we didn't even mention that when we were talking about music radio earlier i i have uh i don't know anybody personally that was laid off in this round but i have lots of friends in the radio industry still uh, it is so depressing every time one of those stories comes out. This was another big, um, I'm going to use the pun, heartless uh, round of layoffs from from iHeartRadio. It is it is a shame. Seems to be the nature of the way that they're running the corporation right now, honestly. Uh, I know I've got some folks that are still behind the line, so to speak. So I'll just say stiff upper lip. Hope things are, are headed in the right direction over there. And Jay is absolutely right. I know I've seen a lot of folks doing, you know, like voiceover demos and things like that. Um, podcasting is a place where you can take that audience that you've built over the years. If you've got an active social media feed, especially, you can oh, grab gosh, a yes. lot of those folks and you can move them over into whatever topic and whatever area that you want to take it into. This is a place where you can own your own work and uh, you can begin to create uh, partnerships and, and um you know, connections directly. So absolutely there, take that under advisement. There are a ton of success stories of former radio jocks who've created podcasts that have gone on to create very successful podcasts. You've made yourself a part of people's lives in a community and you have access to local advertisers. Jump on it now. That now is going to be the time for you to really create it because you're getting a ton of free advertising from the other media places that are covering this story. Uh, so if you don't do it now, uh, you're going to waste that perfect opportunity to create something and to really benefit from a free megaphone, which is what everybody uh, desires. Uh, and don't let that audience get attached to whatever comes after you. Interesting to note, too, uh, there's a station in Des Moines uh, where the basically the entire staff got laid off and there was a revolt and all of those people were rehired in Des Moines because there was too large of an audience uh, for them to ignore. Uh, there's a similar situation brewing in Indianapolis. 
with with the sports show that uh, was let go. Uh, there's a petition that was out there that, and some of the people that signed the petition were famous uh, indie car drivers in Indianapolis. Uh, so I have a feeling that there's going to be a head of steam for those two gentlemen too. Uh, and quite honestly, that's another one that <laughs> when when that happens, you may want to reconsider getting the guaranteed paycheck from the corporate and create your own thing. Um, but at the same time, trust me, I've been there. <laughs> I know what you're going through. I feel your pain. Uh Get that money, man. <laughs> I well, especially if you're in a position where you where you've got folks creating petitions for you. Maybe it's like, hey, you know what? It's going to be an independently produced show, and we're going to sell it to you to air mm. on your stations uh, as far as you would like to uh, do it. Maybe I don't. Yeah, I'd be looking at some different uh, possibilities too, uh, folks. You can check me out, uh, propodcastingservices.com. It is down as we speak. Sorry about that. Um, and you can email me, of course, joel at propodcastingservices.com. Until next week, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, gainfully employed, hopefully for a long time. And we are always listening. Uh, me to my AirPods Pro. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.